Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to the show. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. This edition is a little special because we're coming live from Reno, Nevada, Gamma Trade Show, the uh, Game Manufacturers Association show in uh, Reno that covers the board game industry. And I'm joined by Eric Price from Japanime Games. Eric, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's not very often I have the pleasure of doing something live where I get to see my guests because it's so often over the internet, Skype, phone. Uh, Eric, uh, you have a campaign that's going live a week from today as of the recording of this episode. And one of the things that makes it unique, you know what, tell you what, before we get into that, let's tell people a little bit about Japanime. Sure. Because you have built a company on Kickstarter, right? From the beginning, yes. Yeah, from the very beginning. And how many Kickstarter campaigns have you launched? About 20. 20 campaigns over how many years? Well, we're at 10 years now. 10 years. Our first campaign was, I think, nine years ago. Nine years ago, and you've done 20 campaigns, and you're, you're sustaining a sustainable company that's putting this out using Kickstarter. You have another one going out that's going to be a little unique, but let's talk about the company itself, what you do, and what these campaigns are. Well, the company, mainly the way we got started was bringing over games from Japan and localizing them into English, and now we're doing other languages as well. But we also do anything that has something to do with Japan, like we've got a sushi game coming out, a ramen game. But at the beginning, all of our games were about anime or anime-style artwork. Okay. And now you have had... i got to ask you, what is it about the Japanese draw in the board game industry? Is there... What what is it? What is that? I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Not that I'm not a fan, but it's just not something that works, right? Board gaming in Japan was not very popular at all until about five, six, seven years ago. Uh, it's really growing rapidly, though. And uh, the main the main reason for that is they don't have room in their little apartments for for big board games, the things that take up all of our houses here in America. But uh, just to be clear, I'm sure many of my audience has games that have houses full of board games, but probably most of America doesn't have board games full well, of houses. Oh, right, 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 right. But, but you're people right. that are into board games, yes. they take up a lot of their houses. My basement, <laughs> yes. Other people's garages, yes. So uh, Japanese uh, collectible card games were very, very popular 10, 15 years ago, and that's when I got involved with doing things in Japan. I met people that made board games in Japan, started making card games, and then I was bringing them to the States, and it's just grown. And it's grown well. And then Kickstarter came along right about that same time, and it's done very well for you. Yeah. In this case, you have a Kickstarter campaign that's going live. It's uh, Japanime. I'm not even sure how to pronounce the name because right now the working name is a little awkward. We're, we're unwieldy. The, the, the working name is Japanime Games Brings You Three Worlds of Mystery. Uh, the actual games, there's three games that we're packaging together uh, that were originally published in Japanese by Domina Games. And you're, and you're doing this because one of the things that you've talked to me uh, as we've known each other uh, over the years is that you you really you stay away from the $20 game or $20 product type project. Is that right? Well, for Kickstarter, yeah, absolutely. That's what I mean, for Kickstarter. Right, right. I mean, we do have a few other $20 games that we've released in the past, and normally we wouldn't put those on Kickstarter because it's not really cost per- – I mean, it is cost prohibitive to send out a $20 game individually like that. Cost prohibitive because cost of shipping. Shipping. Shipping is just yeah, – yeah. suddenly shipping is more expensive than the game itself. Or close to it, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you've done with this campaign is a little different. And You want to explain to the audience what that is? Yeah, so uh, we're working with this publisher in Japan uh, bringing three of his games together, and we're going to bundle the three of them into one campaign. What's his name? His name is Mr. Ohashi. Mr. Ohashi. So Mr. Yes. Ohashi has made three games – Right, and all three games are designed by him, and they all use the same artist. 
which is great art, amazing artwork. And so that's what people really notice when they see this. Uh, and we're also going to be working on different accessories and things along with it, too, using that artwork. One of the things, though, that your games are known for, I think, is the artwork. It stands out, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. What's the, one of the most successful projects that you've had? Well, the game we're most well-known for is Tonto Kuore, which is all famous Japanese artists. And uh, so all the artists, they're very expensive to work with, but uh, they're, they are excellent. And that's what sells our games initially is the art, but then people find out it's actually great games, too. So how, what is it like, then, because you're exclusively working with Japanese games. Not exclusively. Mainly. Mainly. I would say 80% of our games come from Japan originally. And is there, what is the, what aspects of that are unique? If somebody wanted to, because that's not easy, and I guess the fact that it's not easy, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, as they say, right? But you've been able to make this happen. Why have you had success in this area? Mainly because I knew several game publishers before they were even publishers in Japan, because I was doing business with them. They own game stores in Japan, and I was uh, bringing Magic Cards to Japan before it was even published in Japanese, way back in the beginning. So um, I, I met many of these people, and as they grew, and we got a, a good partnership going. And so this game, the three uh, mysteries, stories of three-something mysteries. What is it? Three, three mysteries. Let's call it the three mysteries. The three mysteries. Three worlds of mystery. Three worlds of mystery. The three worlds of mystery. Uh, what, what is unique about what these games are bringing to the table this time? Because you said they're all about, what, $20 games each one? 20 20 and 25 Okay. And uh, we're going to sell the bundle together for 60 on the Kickstarter. And the obviously the artwork ties all three of them together, but also each game is about a fantastical world, some different type of world. And uh, so they kind of have a feel of a mystical lore type of book, and so we're calling it an anthology of the three games. So we'll have a special uh, box set to put all three into. Okay. And that makes it something special more than just the game itself, which makes a nice Kickstarter uh, special exclusive item. There's a lot of debate on exclusivity, that um, exclusivity then turns off retail because, hey, they didn't get it on Kickstarter, and now necessarily they're unhappy, The whoever they are. I guess I'm just kind of speaking in general. Right, right. And a cool thing we're doing here is we've got a special retailer pledge level where the retailers can get that same item, and we're creating events where retailers can promote the game in their store, too. You know, let's talk about that, because one of the things that sets you apart in a co- as a company is that you you pursue direct consumer more than other publishers that I've seen. And and what I mean by that is that you spend a lot of time selling your games straight to the people who play the games. That's true. And and kind of bypassing the distribution model. Tell me, what's the philosophy behind that a little bit? Well, a big part of that is because there's so many games being released all the time. For distributors to keep up with and retailers to keep up with all the games, it's practically impossible. So if we are promoting our stuff directly to the consumer, then we're going to have a a better channel that way. However, we haven't been doing enough in retail as well, and that's an important channel that we've been overlooking, I feel. So we're creating new uh, event programs and bundles that we're putting together for retailers to uh, bring our volunteers into their stores and teach our games to players as well. Because you drive a lot of your... Not business, but the operations of your company with through a volunteer program. We do. We have a program called Team Japanime. And how does uh, how does because I hear there are other you know, uh, whatever it might be that right there's champions that would be I know that uh, Stonemaier Games has champions. Right. Um, you've got all these others. How much time do you spend, and what do they get out of it to be part of this Team Japanime? 
we give them special exclusive items, free games, and uh, sometimes bring them to conventions as well. And that's a, that's enough for these <coughs> these fans. What is it that they? What is it about Japan anime that's drawing them to you? A lot of it is all the anime conventions we go to. So uh, most people in the game industry, most most game companies aren't going to go to anime conventions, but obviously that's our niche, and so we're getting a lot of anime fans that want to go to those events. Plus, I feel we have a very generous uh, program where we're giving out a lot of free games to all of our, our uh, volunteers. And uh, we know that in, I'm in the tech industry, and we say mm. that pretty much anybody will do anything for a T-shirt in the mm. tech industry. I guess in the board game industry, is anything pretty much anybody will do anything for a board game. And we, we give out T-shirts, too. Oh, you give out? Oh, <laughs> all right, that works. That works. You have been doing this now for 10 years, People listening are saying, okay, I want to quit my job, and I want to go be a board game publisher. I got this idea, and I want to design this game, and I want to go publish it and run my game company. What kind of advice do you give? Do you get that, those questions at all? Well, sure, sure. Uh, generally speaking, they're not uh, really committed to the idea. Um, it's just more of a, a dream. Obviously, the main thing is to have the determination and, and just the, the drive to jump in and do it. Uh, a lot of people have ideas of things they want to do, but uh, you can do this. It's, <laughs> you can. Yeah, I mean, with, with the ability to use crowdfunding, most anybody could pull this off. But the biggest thing is to create that marketing around any kind of campaign, which most inexperienced people don't do well. So what is it that you do to g- generate this, uh, that, that awareness Oh, we have a huge mailing list. Uh, we go to many conventions. We're going to five conventions this month alone and Gamma Trade Show. And we, we go to about 40 events a year. So we're always uh, talking to the convention attendees directly, getting their emails, growing our mailing list. We've got a very large mailing list and promoting everything we do all the time. So that, let's talk about the mailing list. Uh, how often do you send to your mailing list? Probably twice a week. Twice a week. And people aren't, that's not too much. It seems to be the right, right amount. It, yeah. Right amount. And mm-hmm. what is it, on, on, when you send out that mailing list, what is it you're sharing with them? A lot of information about the company. We've got actually got two mailing lists. We've got our uh, Japanime Fan Club mailing list, which talks more about personal things about the company, where I might be talking about what I've personally been doing, my last trip to China, visiting the factory, that kind of thing. Whereas the regular mailing list is going to be talking more about um, upcoming projects we're working on and just, more of a traditional marketing right. product right, centric. Right. Do you find it interesting in this industry or your company that there is such a, a huge interest on the personal side? They want to know what you're doing. They want to know where you went. That's true. That's true. Um, do I find it interesting? I mean, it's what I know. It's what I've been doing. Sure. I've, I've been in the game industry for 27 years now, so... I, I I guess it, people like being connected to this. It's a industry of fans and creators all tied together. It really is. And yeah. then and then, do you think that your fans, your um, your volunteers, they they feel um, emotionally invested in the fact that when a game comes out from Japan anime, that they had something to do with that, that they almost claim that as a piece of their own. Oh, definitely. Um, our fans connect with us at all the conventions and. Uh, through email, through our, our social media, all of that. And uh, that it's obviously that same kind of feeling they get when they're talking to us on a Kickstarter campaign with the comments and all of that. So they're they're very much tied in with what we do. The Team Japanime uh, 
aspect where we have the volunteers going to stores and they are championing championing our projects and all of that just draws more and more to that mm -hmm. aspect as well. So this campaign is going live in about a week. How yes. much is it you're trying to raise? How much are we trying to raise? I mean, well, no. How much is the what's the, the what's the stated amount that's going to be on the campaign? I think it's at twenty thousand. Twenty thousand dollars. So, and how much do you? Do you have an idea how much you think you'll probably raise based on the experience? My guess is around 75. 75? Maybe 100. Okay. And we'll yeah, yeah. A, a nice thing about this campaign is it actually, uh, this art style crosses over that's going to appeal to a lot more people than our traditional anime fans because it's kind of a dreamy watercolor anime look. So, almost a fantasy. Fantasy anime, I would call it, yeah. Okay. Getting closer into this, the, all right. As so it, it could do even better. They could do any better because right, of, right. of the art. Right. And you really have tapped into the fact that that art is such a critical component of what it yeah. is you're doing. I've been promoting uh, one of these games uh, at conventions with our signs uh, for the last couple of months, and that stands out. People come up and they're like, what is that game? I haven't heard of that. What is it? And, you know, we've got several games on these signs they haven't heard of, but that's the one that catches their eye. And this is called The Three Worlds of Mystery is what we're calling <laughs> yeah, it right the now. Three Worlds of Mystery. <laughs> right. i got to work on that title. Yeah. Uh, so there's three games, and uh, one one game is called Argoat, another is Miraris, and the final one is Pralaya. And all three of them are card games. Argoat has a lot more bits and pieces to it with some uh, cool custom pieces we're adding to it. So that one's going to be a little more expensive. But um, they're, they're all about a ancient world of mystery. Perlia, specifically, I really love. Uh, it's about a sinking island. Okay. And so while you're playing the game, uh, the island is slowly uh, sinking, and you're drawing more cards, adding cards to your deck. And if you flip over another island, or I'm sorry, another ocean card, that space is taken up. And the game ends when there's only one piece of island left. And you need to buy a boat and get off that island before that happens. So is it cooperative, competitive, two-player, four-player? I mean, It is not cooperative. Because uh, it sounds like... Forbidden Island, know, doesn't it? As you yes. describe it, that's right, what it right, sounds right. like. I know. Um, and obviously it's completely different in the respect that it is not a, a co-op game. Each player needs to be able to buy the boat to get off that island. And there's different boats, and they'll have different costs depending on which who bought them first. And you get, uh, you get coins, and you get uh, points based off of different sets of cards you're going to buy throughout the game, too. So it's everybody's trying to get off the island and get the most points. How many players? Two to five, I believe. Two to five. I think so. Okay. Well, <laughs> I need to take right. another look. Well, at you got it. three of them, right? There you are got three th games. Yes. You got three of them coming out. Right. And that one sounds intriguing. One yeah. is I, I like the some of those aspects that you're describing, and so then, is there a how do I say this? Is there a meta game with all three of them tied together, or is it just thematically that they're tied together? I would say thematically. Okay. But each one is about an ancient world of mystery, as we call it. An ancient, the three worlds of mystery is what right, we Right, right, right. I, I, like, I like that campaign name. Yeah. Eric, this has been great. Uh, we, we've been able to talk about this, and the fact that you've been running a company, I'd like, is there any advice that you can give to somebody who is going to try this? That they're, they're like, okay, I want to try it. I listened to this podcast, and they took away one thing that helps them be maybe effective at trying to launch their own company using Kickstarter. My most important thing I would say is get good art. Uh, most people getting into this industry, uh, that's where they try to save their money. And the if if it does not have good art, it's not gonna it's not gonna sell. I agree. I tell people you need you can have an amateur video that's personal, shot on your iPhone talking, but you need to have 
professionally paid artwork. Yes. It looks like that's what you've been very good yeah, at. Yeah, our, our, our game coming out actually in the next couple of weeks is called Kamigami Battles. Every piece of art is done by uh, Japanese artists that we've commissioned, and it's excellent. So, I mean, that's really going to sell that game. And I will testify to that, having been able to spend the last couple of days with you, having that game around. Uh, it does have some beautiful art with it. Eric, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you. This is Richard Bliss, the editor, stepping in here in a moment as I do some... I don't normally do this, but Eric and I continued our conversation afterwards. I caught it on tape, uh, recorded it, and I thought I would just add it here at the end. So I apologize for this interruption, but we had some other great content to go. So here's Eric and I continuing our conversation. Eric, thank you for taking a few minutes. Uh, I enjoyed that. Um, One of the things that we didn't talk about in the episode was... Uh, how do people if they want to go find what you're doing and kind of pay attention? Do you have a you have a group out there, right? Yeah, our Facebook group. Uh, it's we we post a lot of upcoming stuff on there. So there's that. There's also our mailing list that you can sign up for on our website, and they can go get it. How do you go find good artwork? I mean, what, what's the definition of that? That's that's a great question because I mean, finding the right art the right artist to work with. I've worked with some artists where. We've commissioned art, and it took almost a year to get things out of them. And I've got a, I've got a good group I'm working with now in Japan, so it, it's working. Trial well. and error is what it sounds like you just yeah, said. True, <laughs> and, and I agree with you. How often do we have now? I don't think it's happening as often, but people saying that artists are approached saying, "I won't pay you. I'll pay you out of my Kickstarter campaign if mm-hmm. it funds." And I tell them, "You can't do that because." The Kickstarter campaign might not fund, but they did the work to create the art. Right, right. Right, and so they, you have something tangible, and they have yeah. nothing. and obviously you need the artwork before you launch the Kickstarter to show it off, but you don't need all the artwork. Uh, we have done games where we've only done half the artwork, for instance. Uh, some of our games, the artwork alone has cost $20,000. So to get all of that artwork d- done, maybe we don't want to put all the money aside for that artwork to begin with, but maybe we will get 25% of it done. So we can get the campaign going and then use the rest of the funding to finish it up. Have these art, um, you know, I had a guest on just recently. They went to an artist, found an artist on their website, made a book. It was in Sweden, made a book of art for them on Kickstarter uh, in Swedish, then did it on in English. It did very well. They've now done a series of RPGs. And now that artist is being picked up by Amazon Prime and turned into a television series. Wow. Yeah, so, again, it's from the art. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Tales from the Loop, okay. um, which is kind of think of Stranger Things from the, the oh, Netflix yeah, yeah. type of approach. But you're seeing artists, I think, come into their own now when it comes to Kickstarter and what that's been able to do. And your game certainly uh, ties into that. Right. I mean, some of our artists are hoping to get more work in other games as well. Are they? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, we will be giving them quite a bit more work in the future. We actually just released our first art book uh, last year for Tanto Quarry which is really cool. Uh, it's got art from all the five different sets and a uh, bunch of promo cards and tells a lot of the story behind the game, which is pretty bizarre, actually. But uh, uh, things that were written up by the original game designer in Japan, uh, the, the game was about maids in a in a game show, and they were all trying out to be the best maid. And maid like maids who clean your house maids? Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's what Tanto Kori is about. It's about maids. Oh, okay. Sorry. I guess I haven't played the game. Okay. <laughs> All right. But that's, that was the original idea. Right. Oh. Anyway, it was very cool to get that art book together, and our fans are asking us to do some for our other games as well. Which I, th- I think is a great idea. We're just seeing more and more. The artists, the funding that's f- pouring in from Kickstarter has been funding that... Uh, I call it the Kickstarter economy, right? And that part of the economy, the artists themselves, are now having 
money available for them to be able to take the time and dedication to produce some great art. Right, right. All right. Hey, thanks for taking the extra few minutes. Yep. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm here live at the Gamma Trade Show. I've been meeting with Eric Price from Japanime Games as he talks about his upcoming Kickstarter campaign that will be live basically when you are listening to this. So go take a look at Japanime Games, uh, Three Worlds of Mystery. Type in any of those into the search box (laughs) and you should be able to find it. That's right. Thanks for listening. Take care.